Hey there listeners, it's your host James. Unfortunately, the first 20 or so minutes of the latest show uh, were lost due to some audio technical difficulties. Um, but after the after I stop talking, we'll jump straight into what was the second top post for the last few weeks on the uh, Apple subreddit. Um, before we do that, I just wanted to say, I have to mention something that we talked about in the pre-show, which is that the podcast is now on the sidebar of the uh, Apple subreddit. Um, so I consider that um, making us basically the more or less official unofficial podcast of the uh, Apple of the Apple subreddit, uh, which is pretty cool and pretty big news for the podcast. So without further ado, I bring you the top four posts, more or less, from the Apple subreddit in the last week or two. Um, shall we push on to the next topic, which is... A, full, uh, a post by Moogs Moomalets, which is a uh, interesting username, <laughs> which is today I learned you can force touch the cross or the X in the notification center and it clears all the notifications, including those from previous days. So my question is, did you know about this? I'm guessing, yes, you did. Yeah. Yeah. This, this was common knowledge to me. I was surprised when it, when it was gaining traction on the subreddit a few days ago. Um, but I think the the bigger discussion here is how hidden the force touch features are that discovering a force touch feature is, is such big news. Yeah, it's amazing that there are almost 300 comments and the vast majority of them are saying thanks, they didn't know about this. Yeah, 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 especially for you know, the Apple subreddit, this would be the group of people you'd expect to know all these features. So for even them to be confused or not aware of all the force touch features really speaks to how um, how much 3D touch obfuscates some of this stuff. One of the comments, I can't find it now, actually I could just find it, um, but it was basically saying that, or someone asked, how am I supposed to know where a, force t- a 3D touch feature is? And the reply was, just imagine it's like a right click. Um, and then the response to that was, yeah, well, you can basically right-click anywhere and you're going to get a menu, whereas Force Touch, 3D Touch, is pretty limited to where it is. And, you know, you 3D touch a couple of things and it doesn't do anything and you pretty quickly drop the habit of even bothering to try. Um, and even things like um, 3D Touch, say, on the Apple Watch where certain functions used to be under 3D Touch and... Then in, say, WatchOS 4, they were actually removed and put somewhere else. That even dissuades people from trying the 3D Touch even more. I wonder if... I'm sure that there are UX people have, have experimented with this, but I wonder if it would be possible to have some kind of, like, semi-transparent indicator on the corner of things that can be 3D touched. So when I think about that, I think about in iOS 12, in the control center, um, the music playing widget in control center has those little bars in the corner to indicate if you're paired to a different device for music streaming. Um, and they're always there even if you're not streaming, but something like that on icons that can be 3D touched just to make people aware. I think someone actually mocked up something like that, very similar to that um, Oh, really? Yeah, on the subreddit a couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of months ago. But that's a great idea to have an indicator like that. Yeah, just something to make people aware. Um, do you use 3D touch very often? No, no, there are very few functions. I think probably the probably limited to control center maybe to get the airplay indicator up and maybe to check what wi-fi network i'm connected to but besides that no nearly nothing i think my only use case for 3d touch right now is um use on the keyboard to move around uh blocks of text oh okay yep do you mean to move around the cursor yeah Yeah. to move around the cursor and select text and things like that yeah okay so i use that all the time can you actually select text using the 3d touch on the keyboard i thought it was only to move the cursor yes you can um once you have the cursor moving around, if you press a little harder, 
like you're trying to do a deeper touch, it'll go to select mode, and then everything you move the cursor over will be highlighted. No way. Yeah. T-I-L. I use that all the time. <laughs> I'm going to go and post this on the subreddit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We were just talking about how everyone should know this, and now we're finding out even even you are out of the loop. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've got a pretty pretty good understanding of iOS and all the like hidden features. Anytime there's, there's a, you know 10 things you didn't know about iOS posted, you know, there's articles that come up. I could pretty much get 100% right. on all of them. But there you go. I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's super useful whenever I want to delete like a whole message I just typed out or something. And when I restart typing, I can quickly select it all and delete. I'll tell you one place I do use 3Touch a lot, though, and that's on my MacBook. Um, firstly, to yeah. look up things or the old define method is to to a 3D touch on a word. Um, and quick look as well being on right. a 3D touch. Both very handy and both I use all the time yeah i'm definitely in the same boat with using 3d touch more on the mac um i think maybe it makes more sense in the context of a desktop operating system where it is i mean not necessarily it's not replacing a right click on the desktop but uh the features like define which we're already used to kind of using obscure gestures because it used to be what a three finger tap to start define mm-hmm. yep. so i mean we're just kind of used to already all these different gestures on the mac i think it makes sense one of the other problems with 3d touch is that it's not on the ipad and of course not on older phones i mean it's fair enough it's not on older phones because you have to introduce the feature at some point but there have been ipad releases recently which don't have 3d touch and so they implement the long touch which doesn't always operate exactly the same as the 3d touch as well which just leads to confusion so i wonder if there will be an ipad with 3d touch or if the next generation is just going to be completely 3d touch free yeah i wonder if the technology just isn't possible to implement on a larger display and that's why we haven't seen it yet um i guess we'll find out here in a month if if they were going to add 3d touch i would hope it would be with this iteration of the ipad which is allegedly going to be you know mostly bezel-less yeah that's right just on that there was a post um uh, on twitter by underscore inside who found um some glyphs you know they're like the little outline drawings for the iphone 10 plus whatever it's going to be um and the new ipad which of course the the 10 is bezel-less well not bezel-less but edge to edge but the ipad pro is definitely going to be edge to edge as well according to these glyphs right there's been some really interesting rumors surrounding these new iPad Pros recently, which kind of have me a little concerned, talking about how the iPad's going to force you to primarily use it in portrait mode because of Face ID only working in a portrait orientation, and also the possibility of moving the smart connector down to the the bottom edge of the iPad, uh, so the keyboard will force you to use the iPad in a portrait orientation uh to accommodate Face ID only working in that orientation. Yeah, that's it's been really interesting, and I've thought a lot about how how it would affect how people use an iPad. And I think, it, I mean, it might be for the best if Apple embraces portrait. There's always been a bit of confusion about which way you're supposed to use an iPad. Um, and I know that if you're not on the, the biggest iPad, the 12-inch, and you're using it in, say, in portrait, the on-screen keyboard takes up so much of the screen it looks ridiculous um so put it in portrait and then add like an external keyboard and you've actually probably got more usable screen real estate well then maybe maybe i am in the minority here uh but when i use an external keyboard on my ipad i generally have uh multiple apps open and so i would much prefer having the the uh landscape orientation so i can have two two apps running at still basically full size mm, yeah two long skinny apps isn't probably as good as two slightly fatter ones i don't know i'm I'm not an ipad user anymore so <laughs> um 
I don't know. I'm hoping that they will work around this because when the iPad was announced in 2010, I mean, even even at the initial keynote, one of the biggest features of it that was touted is that it's um, orientation agnostic and you can use it on its side or upside down or however you want. Because um, if you go back and watch, like even even my video about when the iPad was announced, I was talking about how it's going to be a failure and uh, I was kind of criticizing what would have been Steve Jobs at the time for saying the biggest feature of the iPad was that you could turn it um, but but now I've really grown to appreciate it. Um, when I'm using the Apple Pencil to write on my on my iPad, I always turn the iPad upside down first so my wrist doesn't rest on the home button and accidentally close out of apps while I'm writing. Um, so I hope I hope they're able to figure out uh, Face ID and other orientations. It doesn't to me it doesn't seem that hard because it's just a camera and the dot projector. So you'd think that they should technically be able to work in any orientation, but I'm sure there's some kind of limitation. Uh, another limitation of having it in portrait is your keyboard's going to be wider than the iPad, so that would look ridiculous. And it's going to be more top-heavy. I mean, it's, it's top-heavy enough as it is, from what I remember, uh, compared to a laptop. Yeah. Um, well, do you remember the original iPad keyboard that came out at the same time? Mm, made by Apple? Yes. It was a... Uh, uh, it connected via a 30-pin connector, and it basically looked like Andal... And- Oof. Apple's standard aluminum keyboard of the time, but it had a 30-pin dock connector at the top of it, and you set your iPad down in portrait orientation. Yes, yes. Actually, I had one of these. Yep. It's taken me back a long way. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically like an iPhone dock, but with the keyboard attached to it. Right. So I'm kind of picturing Apple going back to that, which I never used used that accessory on my older iPads, so I don't know how well that worked. But And you also could plug a lightning, uh, yeah, 30 pin into the back of it to charge the iPad while you're using it, right? Um, I would assume so. I, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. Hmm. I'm just looking at pictures of it here. There's someone that has has a new iPad plugged in. So they have the, the 30 pin, the lightning connector coming out of the dock and their iPad sitting on top of that little connector. Oh and it looks God, that's got to be so top heavy. Ve- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the weight of the iPad on the little lightning to 30 pin adapter. <laughs> Yeah, I can definitely see in a single app use case where the portrait orientation would be really nice. Um, I remember back in the, I think it was the early 90s, Apple actually sold a a portrait monitor uh, for publishers mainly so they could see like the full document they're working on at once. Your Apple history knowledge is really strong. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I collect old computers, so I'm pretty... Yeah familiar with their old stuff do you have a um a portrait monitor uh i don't currently uh i've had them in the past though but yeah if you google apple portrait monitor you can see them they look really nice they're really they're really nice to work on when you're when you're doing publishing mm, yeah applications yeah. yeah but they haven't really caught on in the mainstream so it'd be really weird to see if the ipad went that way uh to say they haven't caught on in the mainstream um a lot of widescreen monitors come with uh i don't know what to call this uh, you can rotate them into portrait mode. Um, yeah, like a swivel. And I know... Yeah, there you go. Like a swivel. Where you can swivel it into a, in a portrait orientation, even for widescreen monitors. And uh, I know I use that a lot in work when I want to read documentation or uh, read a long stack trace while I'm debugging code. Um, I'll switch it into... Uh, I actually mostly leave it in the portrait orientation uh, and have one monitor set aside just for stuff like that. And outside of that use case, do you see it many portrait monitors besides shopping center displays? <laughs> No, um, even my personal computer setup, I don't have have a monitor like that. So, all right, we should probably push on to the next topic, which is okay. that Siri on iOS answered seventy eight point five percent 
of uh, of queries given to it uh, in the latest test, um, only falling short of Google Assistant by a small margin, around seven percent. Now, do you believe this? <laughs> is the big question. I mean, I'm. It's it's not a surprise to me that Siri fell way behind Google Assistant. I feel like seven percent is kind of a bigger margin than than you're leading on, though. I think it really depends on exactly what use cases were were being tested. Uh, basic queries like, you know, what's the weather or when's this sports team playing next or remind me to do this. All of them can do really efficiently at this point. Yeah. So there were five categories tested. There were uh, like local like maps queries. Um, then there were like e-shopping commerce queries, navigation, uh, general information um, and commands like remind me or call X or do Y. Um, right. So yeah, it it seems like quite a thorough test. Um, and looking at the results, they also tested Cortana and Alexa, which both mm-hmm. fell behind by quite a low, a, a large margin uh, in all the tests except for information, just generic, general information. It actually surprises me that Alexa didn't do better in the commerce category. I would expect uh, Amazon to really push Alexa to be able to sell products well. Yeah, that's right. 44% for Alexa in commerce, whereas Siri got 60%. I'd really like to see what questions were asked because what can Siri do in commerce? Yeah. Yeah, because I know from Alexa, you can actually buy products. So I don't know what Siri could do that would garner it a better score than Alexa. So, But unsurprisingly, Cortana lost every category. Cortana? <laughs> I've never used Cortana. <laughs> oh, marginally, marginally better than Alexa in navigation but other than that yeah so my my only experience with cortana is is her forcing her way uh into my life whenever i use a windows 10 device because she's always popping up saying how can i help you (laughs) she's like the new clippy of windows yeah like when you install windows 10 and you have to listen to cortana explain like the the intro before you can click next or disable her yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's like the uh the snow leopard intro um video all over again but worse i used to love those oh me too it's so good i used to love those videos yeah just give you chills <laughs> <laughs> like that bass heavy music like uh, as in like a, a yeah. bass guitar wasn't it so when i'm picturing the song it was like they're going do 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 that's what i remember <laughs> yeah. it's like someone singing <laughs> classic um i was thinking about how siri got such a high score when i mean for me it's nowhere near that high uh, and what i come up came up with is that these guys are, are possibly skipping the people who did the test are kind of skipping two steps in the process of of using siri um that that kind of reduce my success rate drastically and, and those two steps that i can think of are using yo siri like the command um because mm-hmm. that is, is a, i mean it's definitely got way way better over the last say three years but it's definitely not 100 percent. so you know as soon as yo siri fails 50 percent of the time already you're extremely frustrated and it doesn't matter if you get to 78 percent at the end uh, and then the second step of actually uploading your voice to have it interpreted is also a massive pain and i always have problems with that just for instance using my apple watch around the house I very frequently get something like um, 
neither your Apple Watch or iPhone could connect to the internet. And I know for a fact that mm. <laughs> both have very decent internet connections. And that's not just in one house because I'm in the third house in the last three months at the moment and it happens here too. Um, and this is across multiple huh. watches and iPhones as well. So we've got the failure of Hey Siri, the failure to actually upload my voice to have it interpreted. And then you reach the point which is actually being tested, which is interpreting what I said and and delivering the action at the end of it. So I think the test was fair enough, but the use case isn't isn't realistic. Um, yeah, I can generally agree with that. My thoughts as well on Siri are that I mean, in the past, she's been so bad that I've I've basically trained myself to not even bother to use her anymore. Um, and it's always left me wondering if I would have if I would have come into Siri in iOS right now and not have my past experiences, which have already put me off to Siri, and I were to just assume that she works the way I'd expect her to, would I use her more and would I be more satisfied now? Because um, I feel like part of it is just that I'm so used to not even bothering trying that I don't, and I may be missing out on some updates. I think you'd just very quickly become dissatisfied as you are now. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the case. But... Speaking of Siri, how is your uh, your watch working? Is it getting any better without the the voice command? You mean the the Yo Siri without actually saying it? Yeah, I I'll have to say that I have not actually tested it. I think even once since we last spoke about it two weeks ago. So I really should start using it a bit more because we have had beta five, is it, since we last spoke? Yep. Yeah. Uh, in my experience, it's actually gotten a lot better. Okay. I'm not getting all the accidental triggers I was getting in the past. As a matter of fact, my watch never accidentally gets triggered anymore. Um, and it still seems to reliably uh, initiate the command whenever I raise my wrist and start talking. It takes a few seconds, but even then, it, it registers everything I said before it started actively displaying that it was listening. Yeah, okay. I'll definitely try and use it again, because I, I definitely don't want to be in the boat of, um, you know, use something a few times, doesn't work, never use it again, because it's stupid to do that when you're on a beta. Right. I have had, had so. enough, um, I've had enough beta problems this week anyway. <laughs> I just restarted my watch, like, maybe Thursday um, this week, and when it restarted, it was basically a blank watch, <laughs> like I'd never used it before. Oh, wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a new bug. Yeah, the betas on the Apple Watch are scary, because... You have to take them into the Apple Store if your watch just stops working. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Do you remember um, Beta so, 1 of WatchOS 5, the current one, bricked so many watches that it was pulled? Yeah. Yeah, luckily I uh, I didn't rush to download that update, so I didn't get in until after they re-uploaded it. Yeah, normally at the point of the Beta 1 release, I'm telling myself I will not join the Beta program. I will not join the Beta program. And then by <laughs> 2 or 3, <laughs> I'm in with everything. Except my Mac. I have to say, I did not join any... Um, any Mac OS betas? Oh, I'm on the new beta. Yeah, how are you finding Mojave? E? Mojave. Mojave. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, it's uh, reliable. I mean, I trust it enough that I'm recording our podcast using it right now. So hopefully it doesn't crash on me. Um, I think I brought this up in our last episode, but I, I really don't use my Mac very much besides recording this podcast now. So uh, I haven't had much much of a chance to play with Mojave outside of setting the, setting the whole operating system to a dark theme. <laughs> which i like yeah okay but yep. yeah other than that i haven't messed with it all right i might just have to go onto the mac os beta subreddit and see what other people's experiences are and then start playing with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they'd probably be a more reliable source than me uh we've kind of moved on to the next topic so i'll just give us what it is and then we can just keep talking about betas which is that apple has four million users beta testing its software this year which is amazing so that was something that tim cook said i think in the last earnings call was it 
Um, yeah. And as the, the very first comment says, PM me boo boobs, I guess, with a three. Uh, so testing is in quotes. I bet a large number of those users are like me. Just running the beta to get iOS 12 features early not and not submitting useful feedback. So I can definitely say that I join betas to get features early and that's pretty much what everyone does unless you're like an actual developer, I would say. Uh, and that's probably right. also the reason I don't install the Mahav A beta because I don't think there's anything on there that I really want, including dark mode. Sorry, I know you're a fan. <laughs> um, yeah, I very rarely send send feedback to Apple through the feedback app. I think the last piece of feedback I actually sent them was, I think, iOS 11, when Apple temporarily in the betas stopped allowing the Apple Pencil just to navigate the UI. Um, that was like iOS they, 9 you could only or use 10. The, was, okay, it might have been 9 or 10. It's, it's, been, <laughs> it's been a while. But I, I, I sent them a message that I, I wanted to be able to use my Apple Pencil to navigate the UI again in the feedback app. And I think that was the last time I sent them any feedback. I think they got a lot of feedback about that. That was a huge thing when it happened. Yeah, it's very rare that they reverse their decisions on something yeah. so i think they probably did yeah so but um well i can't i can't quote this guy because he's deleted but the the response to this comment is uh apple still probably gets a uh, logs a lot of user data from this betas um so even if you're not submitting feedback you're still helping apple beta test the software yeah that's right you probably opted into all the feedback things just by joining the beta program whether you you know you accept it or not at the um at the iOS setup screens, you know, and it asks you to, to, if you agree to send data to Apple. Right. I think in the beta, you you don't have an option. It forces yeah. you to send that information yeah, back. I mean. yeah. So, yeah, they're still definitely getting useful information about, about how the betas are performing. The only thing I try to send feedback on is uh, features that I think are probably less popular features. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, if there's a problem with the messages app, I'm assuming that they've had... 10,000 people send feedback already but if it's you know um something with how i don't know workouts displays on the apple watch and syncs it to your iphone or something <laughs> a little more obscure i'll always try and right. submit it in that case um, but the the feedback reports are often huge like a gigabyte in size and they take ages to to send and even in some ios betas it would like destroy your iphone's battery just trying to upload the feedback which is ridiculous Although it hasn't so much been the case in iOS um, 12, thankfully. Have you sent a lot of feedback on iOS 12? Only one or two. Um, I don't have my phone here to even check what it was, but yeah, not too many because <laughs> it's mostly been rock solid. Yeah, it's been great. Um, I feel like in some cases it might have gotten a little less solid as these uh, increasing betas come out. Or is it that your expectations 100%. have gone up? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I felt 100% confident in like beta one of iOS 12. I didn't have any issues. I know your bank app wasn't working in that version, but... Uh, I personally wasn't having any issues at all. And uh, it seems like here recently I've run into more issues where the OS freezes on me or I have to do a restart to get it to come back. Or else like my lock screen will be completely blank. And if I swipe up, then the springboard itself will also be blank and all my icons are just gone. That's been happening to me pretty consistently since beta 5. Yeah, okay. No, I haven't come across those ones myself. That's that's, Hmm. that's beta life though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about it, but uh, it does seem to be... And, and it seems like their beta releases, they, they list now where they have bugs in the in the new betas they're still releasing. Um, and maybe maybe that, just in itself, reading them admitting there's still bugs, makes me subconsciously feel like the operating system is worse. <laughs> what I'd like to see is the list of known bugs when they release Golden Masters, because I bet the... the <laughs> I mean, there's definitely no public list, but the internal list for that 
Oh, and probably oh yeah, probably the internal list for the for the public betas as well will be so much longer than what we've ever seen. Right? Yeah, I'm 100 positive they have a huge list that they very slowly if ever get to. So speaking of betas, did you ever get an invite to the shortcuts app beta? I didn't. I looked into it. I'm not currently paying my developer subscription fee, which you have to if you want that. So I haven't gotten it. Right, okay. Well, I am paying the fee and I haven't got it either. So I, I need to sign back up for that, but I just haven't, haven't, so. Well, if you don't, you save yourself $100. Yeah, yeah, I don't have any apps I, I plan on publishing in the next year, so I'm I'm uh, not in any rush. Yeah. Do you have any published apps? Uh, actually, I don't have anything on the App Store right now. Um, I have a pretty big application I worked on for local university uh that tracks the spread of uh different tick species across the country um but they're still working on putting some of their uh they, they like hired a professional photographer to take really nice photos of ticks <laughs> to replace placeholder images what in the project. app yeah yeah so they're working on that right now but um i don't know maybe by the end of the year it, it'll be uploaded yeah no. but that won't be through my account that'll be through theirs yeah so, okay. so you still don't need to pay the money right i've got one app, one app up there which is uh, gives you a couple of um dice on your apple watch if you want them like a oh really like a um well of course a, a d20 and then three through i uh, don't know what have we got d4 6 8 10 yeah. 12 100 i think <laughs> is mm-hmm. that the standard set of over rp um, yeah that's it playing dice yeah okay i got it you nailed it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that would be a i actually started prototyping a similar app for the apple watch um are you familiar with the website think geek yeah of course yeah okay they had an April Fool's joke. I think it was either this year or last year. So it was basically a, a real-life role-playing game where you could roll a die on your wrist and uh, a Bluetooth headset would like tell you there's an enemy nearby and you, you'd, you'd uh, roll for initiative on your wrist and then you'd kind of have this real-life role-playing experience, kind of like Pokemon Go, where it's using location. It was a joke, but I thought it'd be fun to try to make it real life. So I've been experimenting with that. Yeah, cool. Did you, did you prototype it at all or just uh, brainstorm? Uh, not very far. Uh, it was my first experience working with the uh, writing a watchOS app, and I got frustrated really quickly with how limited that was. <laughs> yep. So, but I'll play with it some more. Maybe you should try again on the um, watchOS watchOS five. Um, what do you call it? Yeah, I haven't tried it. Tried it since uh, um, the new betas came out. I think it was earlier in the year I was working on it. Um, should we talk about the last topic, which is that Apple's rumored MacBook Air successor said to use Intel's KB Lake refresh processors? Um, so a report came out from a Taiwanese source um, that Apple was expected to launch a low-priced, a new low-priced, well, not low, lower-priced notebook later this year with a 13-inch Retina display uh, below $1,000 starting price. I'm not sure about that part. Um, it's believed to be at a, a, a new lower-cost, lower-spec option below the MacBook Pro, of course, because it's not going to be something above it. Um, to use the KB Lake refresh CPUs from Intel, they are 1.6 and 1.9 gigahertz base frequencies, uh, 15 watt chips, uh, Intel graphics, and up to 32 gig of RAM. Um, so, interesting report. And uh, it's, uh, <laughs> I almost don't know what to to think about what, what how's Apple's laptop lineup going to look at the end of the year. Is it going to be macbook pro new macbook air and macbook that doesn't really make sense because a new macbook air with a retina display is basically a macbook so will they is this new macbook air in quotes going to be replacing the current 
Retina MacBook. That's the most logical I can think, uh, the most logical situation or scenario that I can imagine. What about you? Yeah, I I agree that it doesn't make sense to have the Air and the MacBook exist side by side. Um, I think that calling it a MacBook Air successor, it might just be the newest version of the MacBook we're talking about here, um, which I would I would love to see Apple get back to their just a MacBook and MacBook Pro uh, lineup and the MacBook itself have a significant price drop down to the thousand dollar entry point i think i think anyone buying a macbook air in 2018 um they they can only be doing it for the price because there's i don't think any other reason that you'd choose a macbook air over a macbook at this point but that leads me to ask why didn't they just call the retina macbook a macbook air to start with and you know that's the new macbook air and the only answer i could think of is that since it was so far off the price point of the macbook air and they they couldn't make it any cheaper that they just had to give it a new name and now they are going to be making it closer to the macbook air price so that's what they do they drop the expensive macbook and voila we got a whole new series in quotes which is retina both retina and lower priced i i don't know i'll be uh i'll be interested to see what they do with this i feel like the the macbook air and the mac mini both have been kind of neglected for the last few years so hopefully they both get updates here either in that the macbook air doesn't exist anymore and they get a better replacement or or they do decide to keep the the air name around and make some third category of product it certainly doesn't make sense to have an an air as well that's that's thicker say if they did make a a cheaper laptop because it was also a bit thicker you know um thicker but and cheaper right and they call it the air and then you put the macbook there doesn't make sense yeah um and they've kind of moved away from their air naming i mean they start they don't have ipad airs anymore so they don't have airports anymore i feel that's true yeah airport's gone um so yeah i I wouldn't be surprised if if they changed the name and got rid of the the air product line entirely at this point and the current macbook pros are thinner at one edge at least than the macbook airs and pretty comparable in rate in weight too another reason yeah yeah, it doesn't make sense so this this would be a lineup that i'm thinking about it if they take the existing macbooks and they update them and they call those MacBook Air, and then they take the non-touch bar MacBook Pros, and they call those MacBooks, and then every touch bar model is the MacBook Pro. Why do you think there needs to be this, uh, the middle one without the touch bar, the MacBook? Well, I just, I mean, these products already exist, and if they're going to keep the MacBook name around, I think it makes, it makes sense to make it on not the thinnest laptop. If they're going to keep Air and MacBook, the current MacBook should be the Air. Right. And they can, yeah. Because since they ignored updating the non-touch bar MacBook Pros, you could almost get away with calling those non-pro models now. Yeah, I, I believe that they're still waiting for a, a new 15-watt processor from Intel to update the non-touch bar Pros because the touch bar uh, MacBook Pros are using the the 28-watt processors. Does that sound right? Right. Um, I mean, I wasn't aware that Apple was using... Uh, separate processors entirely in the in the non-touch bars um i thought a year ago that the non-touch bars and the touch bar 13 inch macbooks both used the same processor set but they might have been different mm, I'm, yeah i'm never really a full bottle on where intel's at with processors <laughs> and which specific generations and um whatever in well MacBooks. if you're if you're ever confused about where intel is on their processors the answer is always they're running behind <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yep, so 10 nanometer, the next fabrication process um, expected, well, no, reported for, by Intel for late 2019. So does that mean 2020, I think, is the current um, 
expectations from them. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we're expecting to see it before 2020. And then you've got TSMC on the other hand, who's at the seven nanometer. Although, yeah, apparently that's that's closer to Intel's ten nanometer process anyway. But basically, already producing these chips. Yeah, I think we're. Uh, I don't know. I think we're pretty close to seeing Apple release at least a Mac with their own processors, just because they're tired of waiting for Intel on everything. Yeah, somehow we always get to that topic, don't we? No matter what the topics are. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it seems like it. <laughs> um, that's pushing an hour now. Did you did you want to talk any more about the new MacBooks, or is that enough? Until we, <laughs> I think that's enough. Yeah, okay, but just TBD. We'll have a lot more to say when we see what they're actually going to release. All right, so that's the show. Um, I am James VDM on Reddit and on Twitter, and I'm Jelly Woot on Reddit and Twitter. And we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Apple show. And also on the Apple sidebar. Actually, I didn't word that very well. I'm not saying the Patreon links in the sidebar. I'm saying where in the sidebar. <laughs> I just wanted to mention <laughs> that again. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I guess I'll uh, talk to you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that sounds good. Have a good one. You too. All right. Bye.